Welcome back to another episode of Spirits and Chat with John and Matt. I am Matt Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. And this is the podcast where we make up a classic cocktail and then talk about all things important. <laughs> so what are we making today, John? Today we are making the classic Manhattan. Ooh. Mm-hmm. All right. What about the Bronx? What about Brooklyn? What about... <laughs> we'll get to that later. Next episode. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, why don't we uh, Why don't we start by making it? So okay. I this is a stirring drink so i i thought it would be very stirring if i stirred it for our audience after reading off these ingredients okay say stirring one more time it's very stirring okay okay (laughs) um (laughs) so ingredients uh we're looking at uh uh, two ounces of high quality bourbon or rye in this case we are using bullet rye bourbon it's good i don't shout out yeah i don't think i've had this brand i'm looking forward to it and every time i hear that i think of bullet with the butterfly wings by Smashing Pumpkins, but it's neither here nor there. So, <laughs> so continue. That was beautifully random. Um, so we're looking at two ounces uh, per cocktail of bourbon or rye, uh, one ounce uh, sweet vermouth, uh, two dashes of Angostura bitters, one dash of orange bitters. Uh, today we've uh, substituted in our champion a dash of Cointreau instead to, to get that orange note because uh, it is not... It is not expedient right now to uh, Amazon some bitters. So, um, yeah, and uh, garnish. a. It recommends a brandied cherry uh, just to, um, you know, because I didn't um, take Does it really recommend that or just a plain old maraschino? I went with a maraschino because yeah, uh, that was way more. That's what I've always had at the bar. So brandishing a cherry that actually means like involves cooking. Brandy things. is candying a cherry. No yes. one's gonna do that, especially since no if you're, one's doing unless that. you're planning on making multiples for the night. And yeah. we have had them with brandy cherries, mm-hmm. such as at the um, the uh, center bar in uh, in. Uh, what is it? Uh, oh, the Time Warner Center. Time Warner Center. Okay. It's well, very good, but unless you're planning on doing a lot of them, Mar- Mar- Maraschino is fine. Buckingham Palace. This is barely like Casabonia. <laughs> so, Maraschino cherries. We're is in Queens, y'all. Fine. Okay, so we used a Maraschino cherry. Um, and then once you combined all your ingredients into our handy dandy uh, mixing cup here, we're going to go ahead and stir it with our bar kit. So. Notice we're stirring, not shaking in this uh, in this instance. I mean, it's an audio medium, so they're just gonna have to trust you. <laughs> the only person they can see right now is me, the dog, and the Lord. So. <laughs> that reminds me of the Simpsons mm-hmm. uh, joke. Yep. You... <laughs> oh yeah, where Homer is taking the "Are you an alcoholic?" test, and Marge asks him, "Do you ever drink alone?" And he says, "Does the Lord count?" Does the Lord count? <laughs> All right, we are. Pouring our beverages now. It should be. Uh, I'm just making sure we're even, Steven here. Oh wait, I should get ready to take a picture. Yeah, take again. a classy photo. Uh, we're almost I'm there. Not taking a classy photo. I'm taking I'll a take trashy, a trashy photo. photo. Yeah, okay. there we go. Here we are. All right, and got it. All right. Well, why don't we? Now that we've made the drink, why don't we give it a try? Okay. I hope this is at least as cheers. Woo! It's good. Yeah, it, I like it a lot. Um, I haven't had one of these in a while. I've actually only had a few, probably my lifetime, maybe like only three. Okay. This one, uh, the maraschino cherry flavor pops a lot more than I'm used to. Okay. And it's not a bad thing at all. I actually really like maraschino cherries, and I like the flavor of 
the cherry syrup. So that's the only difference I know. Um, Is like the all- cherry syrup combining with the whiskey aftertaste creating that sort of cinnamony pop? Are you getting I, that? I think so. Yeah, I think that's that's also the the higher quality rye. Yeah, yeah. That you're using, but but no, it it's nice. I like it a lot. I yeah. There's not so much of the. It, it goes down nice and smooth. I mean, yeah, usually yeah. these dark uh, dark liquor drinks they usually you know kind of have that burning feeling. Like like the last mm-hmm. drink we made mm. with the. Uh, bourbon which i think was like old-fashioned yeah Mm -hmm. or maybe just i've recently been drinking bourbon (laughs) (laughs) and that has kind of the burn well we did have the leftover woodford reserve from last time so so i would have a finger of bourbon while playing (laughs) my video games at night but no this is very nice i like it yeah so um for me it's it's actually it's it's probably my favorite or my go-to really um bourbon drink so, um, and, and it's for that reason alone, it's the smoothest, uh, bourbon based cocktail that I've, I've had. Um, it doesn't, you know, th- what's fascinating for me about these stronger cocktails, you know, normally when you're doing a finger of bourbon or you're doing, um, a, what is the one we did last time? The old fashioned, mm-hmm. you are you're sipping because it's very, very forward strong, a very, mm-hmm. very burning. You can really get that burning sensation down the back of the throat. Kind of feels like having heartburn. Uh, this does not do that to me. It's very, very smooth. So it right. is It is also a sipper, but only because once you've had like two, you might not need any more, you know? Yeah, well, <laughs> the portions that you made um, are very uh, reserved. It's a very small portion, yeah. which is not a bad thing. I normally don't drink these because i really like brown liquor i like whiskey and bourbon and rye mm-hmm. but the past couple of times when i've gotten a manhattan it's so much oh bourbon. yeah it's a full glass and it's just too much it just doesn't sit well mm-hmm. with me the way that clear liquors do so i don't really order this in restaurants but i do like the taste of it and i like the one you made thank you yeah it's um it's easier to make at home than a lot of our cocktails and i think that that um leads us very gently into the 60 second history of the drink sure let me just pull up my time sorry matt was playing tug of war with pan guys this dog is so <laughs> sweet and such a gentleman during the day he literally just curls up and sleeps and then when we sit down to do this podcast it's like it's like the gremlins hatching out of their <laughs> egg. They're like, Billy. Like, <laughs> the people who don't know us, who just listen to this, probably think we have like a demon, nonstop, crazy person dog. But it's just it's just when we try to do stuff. It's the but witching hour, yeah. It's the witching. That's true. We always record after work, which is when his little brain wakes up and wants to... It's like, I'm nocturnal. Think. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the clock is set up are you ready for that i'm ready to roll okay on your mark get set go okay so this one is on the simpler side but still has a mysterious and uh fun to talk about origins so and a lot of rumors surrounding it so got got created uh the drink uh was created at the manhattan club uh in the 187 1880s or 18 or 1870s 1880s that date is unclear um it was thought for many years that it was created for a banquet for samuel tilden and also involved 
um, Winston Churchill's mother. 30 seconds. 30 seconds to go. All of that turned out to be fictitious because um, Winston Churchill's mother was nowhere near uh, the Manhattan Club or the States at that point, as I understand it. So that was fiction, but it was created at the Manhattan Club and it spread to the world from there. Its recipe has changed very little over the last seconds. 100 years or over 100 years. And that's it. Okay, good. Yeah, 52 seconds. You Woo! did Cool. Uh, yeah, so I think, did you pull up the Wikipedia? Is that where you I got I did a little her? bit of both. So I picked up a, I picked up a great article on uh, uh, Liquor.com. No, that was my, so my recipe, you guys, came from Liquor.com. A very good recipe for What Manhattan. a straightforward website. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> very simple. Uh, interestingly, my... I wish I would have bought that domain back in the 90s. So too. typically when I try to deep dive quickly you know this is all a very deep dive we sort of pick the drink in some cases on the same day as we podcast but uh, depending on what is in the cupboard then <laughs> do we want to brave this covid19 world to get exactly supplies? last yes. week we did not we did is, not we were like we're not going out this is crazy john did go out and i stayed home and took a nap and so thank you <laughs> so um anyway the uh daily beast did a great article on the uh, it was kind of like my alternative or extra history of the Manhattan. And then, of course, the Wikipedia page is the base. So Cool. Um, so, like always, I printed out the Wikipedia, and the Wikipedia was pretty light. Um, I think you hit on all the main points in that. In terms of the history, I did highlight what you mentioned, that it was thought to have been created in the Manhattan Club, for an event hosted by Jenny Jerome, who went by Lady Randolph Churchill, who mm. was mother to Winston Churchill. And then that proved to be a rumor because yeah. she was actually in Paris in that time. Uh, just for shits and giggles, I went on a deep dive okay. on Lady Randolph Churchill. Oh, I which love it. Be very, very interesting. I, I only... We all know about Winston Churchill because we all studied World War II, and I watched The Crown which gives a lot more backstory to him. Um, I didn't know anything about his mother. So it was, what was fascinating about her, this has nothing to do with the drink, it's just, and, and please don't give any to the dog. Like you're holding him and he just licked your glass. So I don't want to go down that rabbit hole of having a drunk Japanese podcast. Um, so Jenny Jerome, she's kind of a socialite. Today. Yeah. She was very, she was actually from Brooklyn. She was born in Brooklyn and she- What was ate, her first name? It's Jenny. So she's Jenny from the BK, not Jenny from the Bronx. <laughs> yeah, about uh, 120 years before J-Lo graced this world with her presence. Um, no, and then she moved to England and she was introduced to her husband, to Winston Churchill's father, by the king of England at that time. I think it was uh, Henry the... I don't have a right here. Henry the Lion. But it was, um, no. <laughs> it must have been the current, like, uh, Queen Elizabeth, like, grandfather or great grandfather. Okay. Anyways, but here's the real dish is that, so the first thing is that when she, she married her husband, and eight months later, she had Winston Churchill, mm -hmm. which means she was pregnant on her wedding day, oh, which back in the yes. was a scandal. And they actually asked Winston Churchill about this. And he's, his quote was very witty. He's like, um, I have no recollection, unfortunately, <laughs> upon my consummation. So I can't, I can't comment on that. But the, 
um, she did give birth eight months after her wedding day, and the excuse was, oh, she took a fall, and it was a premature birth. Okay. But it was like, like right now, it's like, who cares? Like, right, Who of cares course. at all that they had premarital relations? But it was quite a scandal. And then it seems like her marriage to this guy was kind of one of the a royal open marriage, because oh. she's rumored to have many many lovers oh wow and there's actually mm. movies oh, about Jenny. her and her, yeah and she <laughs> sent winston off to boarding school and it was kind of an absentee mother and actually it was kind of sad that he actually really he sent her a lot of letters and he always requested that she come to visit him at boarding school and she didn't and Aww. later in their adult lot they they reconciled but they actually said that she was kind of more like a older sister to him she was not mm. a very motherly person but is that covered on the crown at all no, because by the time the crown starts, he's already an old man. Oh, okay. He's very, very old, and actually covers his death. But oh, wow. They didn't have the closest of relationship, but I think in high society, that wasn't that abnormal, you know, to to just kind of send your kids off and maybe not parent them and kind of have, you know, the help. I mean, if, them. if the crown is any indication, that's um, highly likely. <laughs> Yeah. Right. I mean, didn't you tell me the story of uh, yeah, I mean the, the well, prince in boarding school and all that? Yeah, thing? I mean, sending your kids to boarding school is one thing, but it just seemed like on top of that, she was not an involved parent. Um, she did end up remarrying. Her first husband died, and then she died of gangrene in Africa in oh. her 70s. She tripped and fell and had to have her mm. in Africa. She was just hanging out and had to have it amputated, but she had an interesting life, and there's a couple um, movies and plays about her. She actually was friends with... Uh, famous theater owner and she ended up wrote she wrote a play that got performed wow. that was panned but you know good for her so anyway she had an interesting that was life. what it was panned oh was panned oh okay yeah, i thought yeah. you said it was pan and i was like it was, it was not peter pan because yeah we, she wrote she, that yeah, she was wrote. that was not a collaboration mm-hmm. <laughs> um i also well it, it was in any way yeah okay right that's not the <laughs> and that that whole last three minutes is not it's not here it's not pan. the point of any of this either. Yes. It was just, I was just looking for information to talk about. What was also fun in terms of the Manhattan is this is one of the six basic drinks in David Embry's 1948 book, The Fine Art of Mixing Drinks, one of the six essential drinks. And we've talked about most of them. Yeah. The drinks are Daiquiri, Jack Rose, Manhattan, Martini, Old Fashioned, and Sidecar. And we've talked about... All, All of those, two, except right? for mm-hmm, except for the Jack Rose and the sidecar. You know, that's I've I've never actually had the Jack Rose or the I've had a sidecar. I've had a I've, I would like to do an episode of the sidecar, so I don't want to talk about it too much. That's uh, for another time. No, that's a good drink. So I want to say that, and I really don't know what a Jack Rose is, so I'll have to look into that. And also, just for fun, um, it says in the opening that this drink is close closely related to the Brooklyn cocktail. And a Brooklyn, um, it's basically the same as a Manhattan, which but it uses driver vermouth and maraschino liquor instead of uh, sweet vermouth. And it used a kind of liqueur called Amar Pecan mm. in place of bitters. Um, at the top, this is caramel liqueur. Okay. So it, it's basically the same, but maybe a little bit of a sweeter foot flavor. And just for comedy, I was going to look up, oh, if there's a Manhattan <laughs> and a Brooklyn, is there a Queens, a Brock, and a Staten, a Staten Island? Island? There is. There 100% no. is. They all have Wikipedias. These are all real drinks. Uh, Queens sounds actually really good. I actually might want to try it. We can't do an episode okay. on it because there's no information on it. Oh, okay. It's only a paragraph. The same thing with the Brooklyn. Was it it's, a more modern creation? Is that the idea? They were No, they were all in the early... 
the early 1900s, they just didn't catch on. Oh, not, I see. They're not real things. Yeah, yeah. Like, um... They're not making a lot of bartending so, well, guides. So Brooklyn is not a real... Like, it doesn't it doesn't have interesting history to talk about. Um, the Queens is gin, vermouth, and pineapple. Oh, that's great. Which I really like gin and pineapple. I don't think I've had them together. So that's almost like a fun. martini with a pineapple infusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's no such drink as a Staten Island, but there is a Staten Island Ferry, which is just kind of a pina colada it's rum and pineapple i have so like, many jokes right now i have so many what are you gonna do, do. What, what are you gonna do strain some garbage into... i'm kidding i'm kidding uh, uh, <laughs> you know it's that it's 90 percent republican and just not a we have more listeners yeah, in yeah. Ireland than we do in Staten Island, I bet. Yeah, that means we have one. <laughs> we do. Thank you to our listeners in Ireland, Aust- in Australia, and Canada. So we are a global sensation. <laughs> um, there was an episode of Sex in the City where they all go to this random club in Staten Island for because I think Carrie's dating some politician from there. And they drink a Staten Island iced tea, oh. which I'm sure is just a Long Island iced tea, which is... I think the show made that up. I don't think that's I a real mean, thing. I mean, it probably was made up, but I bet you could actually get some local, like, uh, Staten Island. You know, in the same way that um, every borough has a really great history of breweries um, and and uh, home homegrown liqueur, I'm sure there's so some... Funny. Yeah. You listen to, I listened to the Mark Maron What the Fuck podcast yeah. with Pete Davidson, and his whole thing was just like... Nah, man, Staten Island, it's just garbage. It's like everyone there sucks. And Mark Maris like, no, that's just kind of like a stereotype, right? He's like, no. They <laughs> all like, suck. He's like, no. <laughs> if you're from Staten Island, we love you. We We're do, not, we do. Just, I'm sure, yeah. I'm, but I'm, it is, it's 90, it's it's weird. It's an outlier that it's, it's 90% Republican and right-wing and weird. It's, and it's kind of an island unto itself, it yes. Is. I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to edit any of this out. I, I stand by everything I say. <laughs> Besides, ain't nobody challenging Queens for nothing. (laughs) Um, So I saved the Bronx for last. So I guess the Bronx cocktail is kind of a thing. And I I might want to do this on another episode. So I don't want to get... I didn't look too much into it, but a Bronx is gin, vermouth, and orange juice. Mm. And it was a popular drink in the 1930s. And I guess it actually does have a pretty interesting history. Oh, nice. I didn't deep dive it because I want to. I might save it for yeah. do that another, some other time. And I like the. I think the Bronx is underrepresented. Oh heck in yeah, culture and and we have a lot of friends there too. Zoo. They got the Yankees. They the Bronx admittedly the best is, zoo. Like oh the best zoo probably in the country. Yeah, I mean it's, like it, it's, it's and, the show the zoo is <laughs> filmed there. So yeah, and there's there's a lot of cute little neighborhoods that are very affordable and yeah. so. Our friend Chrissy, who we interviewed a yeah, few former, episodes ago. Yes, Chrissy Sheehan is a resident, and so is... Oh, has, we haven't had Jonathan Matthews on the... Yeah, but, oh, not yet, not no. We have to have him, so though. I know our, he's listened before, Our musical so. uh, director in our theater company lives in the Bronx, and a lot of wonderful people He's a, He's incredible. And a lot of wonderful people live in Staten Island. I don't... <laughs> yes. There are wonderful people in Staten Island. As a whole, demographically, it swings right, and... I have a great writer weird. friend named Larry Schwabacher who lives in Staten Island. Okay, so, great. Thank yeah. you. I, Larry, please listen. And please, <laughs> please forgive me. Please know we love you. These are stressful times and <laughs> we're all dealing as we can. But according to Pete Davidson, it's garbage. <laughs> Everyone there sucks. It just sucks. I just thought it was funny imagining like taking something from the dump and then straying it into a cocktail glass. <laughs> But that's sure. that's totally me you know channeling that's, Pete Davidson. I apologize. You know what? This is on you. This is 
I I will state for the record that it's was okay. a John Pan, Emerson. Pan is appear- not happy with my my thoughts here because he keeps biting my toes. So sure. So <laughs> we've we've taken the scenic route. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about the Manhattan? Um, no, I think you know. I think that um, unlike a lot of cocktails with immense amounts of variety, I, I think th- I I think that's about actually all of the whiskey based or bourbon based drinks that we've made it ends up being about the quality of the bourbon uh that that literally channels to the end result of your your cocktail Um, and i can you can definitely tell the difference you can definitely you can definitely tell and doing this podcast and making our own drinks and and kind of refining our palate i've been able to tell a difference between when we get the the higher class um quality of liquor like the, and this is a bullet is a very high that's very class, it's very um, good right. it's way better than you've you've had some youngstown weddings with some of those uh uh whiskey sours they make make in y town so All right. oh one more thing i want to mention this is on the wiki um very small the north frisian island fjord um the manhattan is their number one nice. most popular cocktail uh i guess a lot of people emigrated to Manhattan and to do deep sea fishing trips and they loved it and they took it back and so if you're ever in the Frisian Islands I really wasn't sure what these That's, were. Is that in Norway? Uh-huh. I'm yeah, really a huge mm-hmm. fan of the Nordics. Their yeah, politics. I, I love them. I just love them. Yeah, I've always wanted we to, should go to, to visit yeah. there. Yeah, so I just, I just thought that was interesting that this drink, it crossed the border and mm-hmm. I learned I learned a lot when I do these deep dives you know we, we start off talking about liquor and drinks but it's all it's all culturally significant and it's all based in history and it is history that creates these things and these things don't come out of nothing they're all were created by people that were influenced in the times they were and it's amazing how I, something i feel like jim henson's a storyteller right now and that's, <laughs> that's the last i'll say but i i learned I learned a lot. I learned something from I this learned podcast, something today. And I hope you did too. Yeah. I, I don't know if we can finish any better than that, but it's amazing how... And let's continue learning in our next segment, <laughs> which will be coming up amazing. very quickly. And welcome back to the show. And we'd like to welcome to the podcast, Brett Morningstar. Brett Morningstar, woo! Welcome. welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. So how are you, first and foremost, uh, holding up during all of this? Well, uh, I'm not going to lie. It's It's been a little difficult, not because I can't like go to the farmer's market or brunching with friends. Not, none of that typical crap where everyone's like all upset because they can't do that. I'm actually just more upset because I've had a, had a lot of stuff on my calendar for the year and it's literally all on hold until 2021. Oh, man. So it's, it's been disappointing to look at an empty schedule, which for um, kind of a anal freak such as I am, I like to have a, I like to look at my calendar and be like, okay, and this day, this is happening. And on this day, this is happening. And now it's just like empty slate all over. <laughs> right. So so our listeners know, Brett, you are a working actress. I mean, Brett <laughs> works. Like yes. You are on set um, at least a few times a week during normal circumstances. Am I right? Yes, that is correct. I, I sadly wasn't working on set at all in 2020 because um, normally like when you do background work from like December 15th to about 
middle of January, there's just no work, which is pretty much typical for the entertainment industry. But also I was in rehearsals for a musical called Scandusical. And it was about, it's, if you've ever seen the TV show Scandal, it was a musical parody of that show. And I played First Lady Melly Grant. So (laughs) I was in rehearsals so much so that I kind of relied on all my other like side hustles. And then I also work a lot of conferences and event expos. So I was, I was working pretty much almost full time on top of going to rehearsal. So I actually haven't been on set since December. Oh, wow. Wow. I know that must be hard for you. Um, So let's bring it back to young Brett, to your childhood. (laughs) So you're from Florida, correct? Incorrect. I I am not from Florida. Oh, I thought you were. Shame on me. No, I I, I unfortunately, no, it's okay. Unfortunately, I did have to live there. I'm from Rochester, New York, originally. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought you were from Florida. Well, she's got family in Florida. Oh, okay. I, I do. I did live there. So um, my father, much like everyone else in Rochester, um, worked for Kodak, and um, they did a lot of massive layoffs, like in the '90s. And um, my father either was laid off or he transferred to a different company during this time. I can't really remember the specifics, but either way, we moved to Florida. Thus, getting my descent into, oh shit, I actually have to live in Florida with Floridians now. And even <laughs> at a young age, I understood what that was going to be like. So what part of Florida did you move to? Uh, we moved to Tampa, Florida. It's on the West Coast. Okay. And um, it was kind of a culture shock, really. Um, I talk about this a lot uh, to other people who don't get it. Like uh, when I grew up in Rochester, I didn't like grow up in the city. I grew up on the outskirts, like in the farmland area. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, my house, we lived in a, like a, I wouldn't even say it's like a neighborhood because now I associate neighborhood with like suburbia and white picket fence. But like we lived like on, plots of land and then there was houses just like nearby sort of thing so you didn't really have like neighbors neighbors no we we did have neighbors neighbors but they weren't like right right there right right there kind of had to walk you had to walk a minute to get to them but you know you had space to breathe and i i always grew up having that and then cue to tampa florida our parents moved us into this planned community where all the houses were everything was in a cul-de-sac everything was sequestered with gates and everyone's houses were like right next to each other. And it was really freaking weird. And I just remember being like, am I really going to have to be this close to people at all time? And yes, that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Wow. Like everybody knew your business kind of thing. Like it was very like think desperate housewives, but um, there was no Terry Hatcher and there was a lot less, um, you know, finesse as it were. Oh man, I mean, without Terry Hatcher, like, there, there's no point in doing anything. There really uh, isn't. Like, why, why are we even here if there's Terry Hatcher's not going to be here? Uh, so, what was, so what must that have been like then to go from a very, very rural area to Tampa, you know, very, very suburban housewives, as you mentioned, and then, you know, circle back a few years later, you're back in, in the New York State area, but this time yep. in New York City. What was that transition like? Honestly, and this sounds psychotic, um, the year before I moved to, uh, to New York City, I actually had to move out of my home in uh, Tampa because my parents decided to downsize and I wasn't going with them. To clarify, I lived with my parents all throughout college to save money so I could afford my move to New York. Right. Having said that, um, the night before we left the house we moved into, in 1998, my parents were like getting all boo-hooey talking about how they were going to miss this place. And I was like, they're like, aren't you going to miss it? And I was like, not really. And I was like, it's, it's not because you didn't make it a lovely home, mom. It's just 
this house always just felt like a like a temporary transition home for me like my home in Rochester like had so much personality and character because like you guys helped build it from nothing and you you did all the design work but here you had some schmuck um who built quite frankly faulty houses build a house that kept falling apart over these few years and no I'm, I'm really not going to miss this neighborhood I'm really not going to miss this house I'm I'm genuinely ready to move on and I I remember the first time I was in Florida to live there I remember feeling that 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 urgency I was like I have to grow up quickly so I can get out of here so it was um when I circled back to New York I I remember the drive up here in the the U-Haul that me and um, my then boyfriend now husband took and it felt like the most natural thing in the world and honestly I don't really remember my first two days in New York City living here just because it was like like just insanely busy, like getting all my shit up from the move and, oh, yeah. and everything. But like everything just seemed to fall into place in a very weird way to where it was like the transition was so easy and then just getting here was the same. And I, I don't know a lot of people who can say they moved to New York City and they thought it was a smooth transition. <laughs> yeah, no, that so, was, was not. I, I think it's it goes back to that uh, that feeling of home, you know, what that means for different people. And I think it means different things for different people. You know, it's not always a house. Um, it doesn't even yeah. matter how great the house is. So it sounds like New York was always just kind of home for you. And so probably yeah, coming and back felt more natural than maybe other transplants. Absolutely. And, you know, to even to be honest, like when I was a young kid growing up um, in Rochester, I people were telling me all the time that they could just see me living in the big city. And I didn't know if it was because my love for musical theater showed so early on, but I think it really was because I was always fast paced in a hurry and I had no problems telling people what was going on. Like <laughs> this, I feel like that kind of innate attitude was just always with me. And um, I know I'm not a New Yorker by New York standards, but I always kind of felt like I was one. So Sure. Yeah. Um, so let's backtrack a little before that. So when did the acting in Theater Bug set in? Was that in Florida or is that when you were in New York the first time around? Oh my God. I mean, I've probably been performing as as long as I can remember. Uh, just like dance recitals and church plays. And I'm I'm not religious, but my first bigger production, I played the Virgin Mary in a, a nativity story. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was like six. Yeah, I mean, right. I definitely don't want to F that up. But uh, I I always loved, I think my biggest thing now, and as an adult, I'm starting to realize this is where my talent actually is. I loved creating characters, dressing up as the character, and then interacting with my family members as said character. <laughs> and it was, um, the first one I remember, it was so stupid, but um, I used to have um, this pair of Groucho Marx glasses that had like the big nose and the fake mustache. And I would, I would put them on and I would adjust my posture and like pretend to have big feet. And I'd walk around the house and I would call myself Mr. Vanilla Chocolate. I don't know why. Oh my God. And it sounds like I, such a great drag name. Too. It does. <laughs> oh my God. We have to at RuPaul for that one and see if anyone will take it. Oh, but yes. I would, um, I would just go around the house and like introduce myself as, as uh, this guy who just walked into the house because he thought there was a party going on and 
my favorite character was um, I used to take my my grandma Morningstar her old slips and like her big gaudy like uh, costume pearls and jewelry and I'd go around with the mop in my in the house and I'd pretend to be like this lounge singer just singing like Disney songs or just whatever was on the radio at the time and um, I always I never felt embarrassed I think that's a big part of this whole thing too I never felt embarrassed like whenever I was dressing up like that and creating something like that it always just came it just felt natural it felt fun and honestly I loved making them people laugh like holiday gatherings were fun for me as a child not just because of presents but like because I would it was like I was testing out material you know what I'm saying (laughs) absolutely holidays are the best places to try out bits exactly so um (laughs) yeah that's kind of where it started but like you know, my mom always put me in dance classes, which was, you know, great. And then, um, you know, on, oh, in the summers, you guys will love this. In the summer in Rochester, um, in our little nook of the world, because Rochester has horrible, horrible winters, every summer, like, it was like this agreed upon thing with the parents in our area. Your child was not allowed inside until dinner time. So me and all the neighborhood, like, kids all had to stay outside no matter what like mm-hmm. if we wanted to play barbies you're taking your barbies and you're dumping them on the lawn well <laughs> for two summers in a row and especially the last summer we lived in um new york we put on dance recitals for the neighborhood and the last year i was there the most memorable one was we actually did an entire dance recital to the spice girls album oh wow awesome <laughs> which which spice yeah. girl were you Oh, Ginger, of course. Oh, okay, yeah, uh, stupid, and, stupid question. I don't know, that. You know, I know right? I, it was so cool, though, because I actually, I don't know if you saw the movie. Of course you've seen the movie. I saw, the movie. I saw the movie in high school. I, I, I know there was n- not much of a plot, so I don't remember a lot of it, but... It's like a hard, it's like a hard day's night, but with the Spice Girls. Um, the the fun part was at the very end of the concert, um, Ginger Spice is wearing this, like, sequined red like one piece with like these red feather things out at the end. And uh, one of the girls in the neighborhood, she actually had that outfit because she did a dance recital to Rock and Robin. And she just had this extremely similar outfit lying around. So I got to wear it and my mom curled my hair just so I could be like ginger. It was, oh God, it was so great. Then of course <laughs> I, I decided to go for the jugular and I did a dance to Viva Forever and it was dedicated to all my friends who I was leaving behind and I made all the moms in the audience cry because I'm a bitch like that. It was also <laughs> kind of like I kind of wanted to make my mom feel bad because I was I never and I'm, I'm like the age I'm at now I still haven't ever really forgiven my parents for making me move to Florida so any opportunity I could kind of make them feel guilty about it I, I took the opportunity to do it I know that's mean but no I mean you know moving your child to Florida is mean is, I love that you <laughs> used uh your theater tones in a very lovely but also passive aggressive way you know <laughs> I am a Scorpio so there you go. okay so you you're in New York uh so when mm-hmm. does the screen acting start when does all the background was that right away you got into that it was by accident. Like when I uh, graduated college, my mentor, she told me, she says, I know you love theater. You've trained for theater. She says, but you're going to end up doing TV and film. And I'm like, I am not going to LA. She's like, girl, they got TV and film in New York. I was like, all right, whatever. So by accident, I say, I, I kind of got mixed in with this group of theater people who just wanted to shoot short films on the weekend. And I got a part in one of them. 
And then at the end of the day, uh, the producer hands me all this paperwork. I fill it out, hand it back to her. She's like, all right, that's your Taft-Hartley. Congratulations. I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, this was a SAG production. You, you, um, you're going to be, you can be in the union now. I was like, wow. Wait, what? I didn't know anything about any of that. So I didn't really do my research as well as I should have. I did join up the next month, which I, in retrospect, kind of regret now because it wasn't the best decision at the time. Well, now it wasn't the best decision. Now I'm thinking about it. But at the time, I was just like, oh, my God, I can join SAG-AFTRA. That's a big fucking deal. Now I've, I've been uh, without proper reels for, like, years because I can't get anyone to film reels for me because they're all non-union projects. But I digress. Uh, yeah, I mean, you only know what you know at the time. So, I mean, we all, yeah. you know, have those, like, oh, I should have done this. Um, do you remember what your first, background on like a big network tv show was and what that felt like absolutely i got <laughs> picked season two of the nick on uh cinemax i think cinemax it was showtime yeah i think it's cinemax one of those two and um it would that was a, a big deal for me because um and to this day the uh, the casting company grant wilfie they always 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 cast me for their period pieces mm-hmm. i think there's probably two tv shows and one movie that were filmed in new york that were period pieces that i have not been involved in and that's just because they wanted someone with shorter hair but um they're the ones who gave me my first job as a like a middle class person and i worked all of season two on the nick and it was so cool like some of my best memories um you know especially since it's my first time just doing background work were there i got to sing in a church choir like actually sing in a choir um i got to spend an afternoon on a boat and i took a lot of naps it was fun (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah like i just i remember having a great time and i think that's why like even though it's like i I didn't want to do tv film i still liked doing background work because i got to see how things operate behind the camera. And I'd, I'd never really had an interest in that before until I started seeing it. I don't know if that makes any sense. It yeah, totally does. Totally. Yeah, I mean, so of course, Matt and I and everyone who have uh, worked with you and, and seen you uh, work in theater know you're, you're brilliant. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, both Matt and I have worked with Brett for pro- clo- closing uh, it on two and a half, maybe three years now. Yeah, we now. did two, two, mm-hmm. show, two back-to-back summer musicals, uh, Godspell and yes. there. Yeah, so, star. <laughs> and she was Thank amazing, you. of course. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated by the entire world of, of background. And I feel like you, I feel like background has its own very unique perspective on the filmmaking process. You know, you, you kind of yes. see everything in the world. So do you have any interesting tidbits or stories about that, about that life? I got plenty, but I'm going to narrow it down because obviously we don't have a lot, like we don't have all day, but I will say this, there's this kind of like, um, even with people I went to college with this kind of whole, oh, I mean, you're not really acting. It's just background work. I'm like, well, fucking duh. But at the same time, I'm still getting paid more than you working as, you know, at your job before you go to do community theater at night. And that's not a jab Mm -hmm. to anyone who does that that is me being defensive about the fact that you're actually giving me shit just for doing background work. Like, I, I hate, I hate that attitude that I'm not really acting. I'm not a moron. Oh, it's, I, know, so I mean, it's still, it is. It, it acting. is challenging. Yeah. It's, it's more challenging to work with less material than it is, than, than people think, you know, people think that. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it only yeah. takes one person in a seat to be off their mark or be off their game to ruin our shot. Or, and it's, it's even distracting. I've seen, 
Luis and Tris, where you could tell there's an extra looking at the camera or not. Oh my like, God, that drives me crazy. Um, so it, I think it, and like John said, sometimes it's harder to take, you know, no lines, no character and like little, commit, di little direction commit to suddenly when you're playing a character, you have a whole entire history and all these other tools, but and with that you have, you have really nothing, but what yeah, the task you're doing. And especially yeah. in period pieces, you mentioned you've, you know, been uh, featured in numerous uh, ones of those, you're world building with, with almost no direction, no, or not no direction, but, but limited, you know, uh, yeah. limited text and There's you have to create that. one story that Brett told me, hopefully it's okay for <laughs> oh, the no. podcast, and a show that I really like that you said you worked on, which was The Path. Oh, okay. I was core all three seasons, actually. I'm, I was I what love, they called a novice. Uh, we, so you were one of the cult people, weren't you? You were one of the people that was on the ladder, am I correct? Um, I was. Um, so I, if you've watched the show, um, an upper rung, somebody who's on the ladder, is somebody who has, um, has pretty much been enlightened to the point where they can go one step up the ladder. Right. I was so, what was called a novice, somebody who, hadn't, who was just starting out. Right. So... For those who don't watch the show, it's basically a take on Scientology, where it's- <laughs> But just, with Aaron uh, Paul. With Aaron Paul and Hugh Dancy, and they're both great. Wasn't there, and I feel like that show just never got as much love as it should as, because it was really well Agreed. written, and all three seasons are good. They're all on Hulu, and I kind of just want to re-watch all of them again, because they're great, and also just like look for you and all the background <laughs> stuff. Um, but, wasn't there something where you- had all natural shampoo in your hair and beads oh. were ruining the take. Okay, all right. I'm gonna, I will <laughs> tell this story because I, I just told it to someone else a few days ago because they thought I was lying. Um, without giving um, too much away, in season three, there's an event where um, all of the cult members have to attend and they have to sit and be quiet because they're listening to something. The day I was there, it was in the middle of June, it was hot and um, I had used this all natural honey shampoo because I have very dry scalp and, um, it worked wonderfully by the way, more unfortunately where we were filming was out in Nyack, New York. And it's, um, it was right by this, like, I don't know what it's called, like a convent. It was near a, a convent and we're all outdoors in the mountains overlooking the Tappan Zee bridge. It's, it's fucking gorgeous. But the entire day. I had bees swarming, and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> I mean, swarming my head to the point where the PAs, during in between takes, we're gonna we're trying to come over to like swat them away. But I was like, don't do that. They could sting me. And here's the problem: I'm actually deathly afraid of bugs. Bugs like mm. bugs that crawl, I hate. But bugs with wings, I hate even more. And I know bees are important to the ecosystem. Yada yada yada. I still don't fucking like them. I don't want them near me. And the entire time this is happening, I'm fighting the urge to not run away and flail my arms and scream like a banshee. But I'm also trying to not, because I know the camera is right on me, because unfortunately, Hugh Dancy was right behind me the whole time. Lucky. And, well, lucky me, but here's You're what under normal circumstances. <laughs> under normal circumstances. He's, um, he's a very nice guy. So like what I'm going to say next should not counter that, but he was getting very frustrated because, um, I was kind of silently crying to myself because <laughs> I was so freaked out and they had to keep redoing the shot because they could see me like wincing and trying to like not freak out. Um, 
Yeah. So it was not one of my more fun days on set. And I was so embarrassed and it took me all day. Cause I mean, the background PA finally had to pull me out of the shot. He's like, what, what are you, are you, he's like, are you wearing perfume, lotion? What's going on? I was like, I don't know. All I did, like, I don't wear anything but deodorant. I mean, I washed my hair last night. And then it was like, oh shit, I washed my hair last night. Oh, so, wow. So, yeah. so the goal is, um, the lesson is just like, let's all bathe less and use Pretty less. Much. <laughs> and just go out as the Lord intended us, and we <laughs> will not piss off the lovely Mr. Hugh Dancy. Which is, yeah. which is very easy uh, during these times, um, you know, because we're not really leaving our house as much. Um, so exactly. to that end, um, oh, go ahead. So you said you were working on the scandalous parody. Is that still happening or is- um, Oh, it's, well, it's Scandusical. Yeah. Scandusical, mm. the musical, anyway. Um, well, um, here's the, the not so fun thing. We actually went up the week all of this COVID-19 stuff got really bad. So we only got to do two of our shows before we had to close permanently. And I, I've been, it's, I'm not gonna lie. I think that was the biggest thing I've had to deal with so far because I've, I, I worked on this show in October. Uh, we did it for one night as a part of like a theater festival. And then we wanted to bring it back for uh, like a five night engagement, which we did and worked so hard. I, I genuinely, I don't think I've ever thrown so much of myself into a project. Like mm -hmm. it was just balls to the wall, amazing. And I felt so in tuned. And then it was like, now you're taking it away from me. And I know for a fact that the director does not plan on bringing it back again because it's just a lot. And I, I respect that, but it, it breaks my heart because I, I really loved this show so much and I only got to do it two times before we had to throw in the towel. I 100% hear you. Yeah, um, I'm sorry, that, that, that really, that sucks. That really and, sucks. And, um, yeah. yeah. Are there any upcoming television performances that you filmed before that are gonna be? Um, no, nothing. I, as I said, like, um, and on a, on a personal note, I think maybe if you guys have been following me, I had a very rough, fall of 2019 so I didn't really work as much as I wanted on set I I was constantly going back and forth to Rochester um just to see family because my grandfather was sick and then right. he died and then another friend of mine from Rochester died and I'm just yeah fall 2019 I was I was so happy for 2020 to be here now I'm really regretting that too so yeah. so you know that I mean we hundred percent hundred percent hear all of that. I think um you know it staying strong at this point is is you know something that um you know we're all sort of striving to do um mm -hmm. you know in in my thinking, you know worst case scenario i I, I know we told you this already we've had to push Pippin back kind of uh, sort of not in it's not gone it's gonna happen but you know the dates keep pushing so maybe yeah. maybe yeah. push in a way that allows you to, to join the to join the team so that that's you know that would be awesome uh, that that would be I um I've never done Pippin so that would be fun <laughs> so uh, where can our listeners find you on the web oh the web that's what the kids are using these days uh, huh that's what that's what i hear i don't know i have well i i do have a website i haven't updated it you know i have the time i probably should update it um it's it's fairly self-explanatory it's www.brettmorningstar.com that's b-r-e-t-t-e -T -T -E. and you can also find me on instagram yeah uh, with the same name brett morningstar 
And on Twitter, I believe my handle is Brett, B-R-E-T-T-E-M-Star. I don't really go on Twitter. I'm kind of lazy about it. And when I do, I'm usually just tweeting about wine or horror movies. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need nowadays. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, um, I will actually be posting soon because um, me and my husband have uh, been recording an album together. It's our Whoa, first time collaborating. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. All right. Well, we can't. Yeah. What's we the... will um, we'll link your website um, in the show notes to this. Oh, thank you. So that our listeners can find you. Um, so, Brett, thank you so much for being on this podcast. Um, that's stay safe. We hope we know that it's been a rough 2020 for all of us, but I think you know yeah. this is all going to all get better, and we're looking forward to see what more art you can put into the world. Absolutely. Thank you. And I look forward to, you know, seeing what you guys are going to be doing with all this time as well. Yeah. Basically, just this podcast. A lot, and then, of, a lot of video then, games, podcasts, and, and puppies. But Once we can Yay! actually leave, leave the, the apartment safely, we'll, we'll produce more for the world. But right now, so. <laughs> all right. Take care of yourself, Brett. You too. And I, guys, I've really missed you. It was great. It's great to talk to you. I miss hearing your voice. Oh, you too. Aww. Once once we're all allowed out of our little cells, we all need to get together and barbecue at our place. Woo! I will I will be there and I will bring the rosé. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Talk to you later, bye. Right, I'll talk to you later. Bye, guys. Right, bye. bye. All right, we're back, and this week we're talking about everyone's favorite comic book, The X-Men. Or at least uh, I know that that's a controversial uh, statement. Um, It's one of Matt and I's favorite comic books. I think think it's a global phenomenon. It's a global phenomenon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's dive right into it. So when did you first get into X-Men? Wow. Okay. So, um, you know, I'm the oldest of two sisters, so I was the only one who, like, I sort of randomly discovered comic books via my, my uncles. They lived with my grandparents, uh, at the time and they had, uh, comic books lying around and I used to swipe them, um, you know, with, with their permission, of course, but, uh, I think the first real before I became a super fan and deep dived a lot of the different series, uh, I, I really joined the X-Men fanboy club when, uh, during the Onslaught series. So that was the time when, uh, spoiler alert, um, they decide they really do need to take Magneto down. He's done a lot. Um, I can't remember exactly what, what drove the, the situation, but they literally did go to war um, and uh, they got his helmet off, and Xavier uh, zapped his brain, basically, but that led to the creation of this new thing, because a piece of Xavier got caught in him, called Onslaught, and they're, they're that entire series and that war, and it introduced me to a lot of my favorite X-Men characters, and I was really big into the cartoon series, too, mm-hmm. as a kid. I think I actually was exposed to that first, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I've, I've really followed it since, since I... Since the cartoon series came out, uh, probably in the '90s would be my guess, uh, maybe late '80s, and uh, I follow it. I follow it now on all of its mediums and forms. How about you? Yeah, I think it was the Fox animated series that was the early '90s. I remember watching that and really liking that. 
Uh, my cousin Ryan was really into comic books, okay. and I remember just kind of picking up comics around his house. I didn't read a lot of comics. It was not really my thing as a child, but I did really like the X-Men cartoon, okay. which led to the X-Men comics, and I think I had this book that I ordered in like fourth or fifth grade um, when they would give you like the little magazines and you would order books sure. i don't know if your school did that i don't know if like this is just a bougie thing where, <laughs> a bougie canfield yeah thing? <laughs> i'm not i'm not calling you poor but okay. i'm also not not insinuating they, that they did have book order clubs at okay. both Lady but it was Avenue like <laughs> and turner and warren g Harding okay well and don't, don't don't dox yourself all right uh, no but you would get the little pamphlets and, and i remember i got a book and it was all about the X-Men. It it's kind of like a wikipedia thing it was just like all their biographies sure. and i remember reading that so it was always kind of uh with me in chat i remember the games too the x-men arcade game undoubtedly was, one of the best mm-hmm. arcade games that was ever released in my opinion mm-hmm. it's it's the one if you can get into barcade in new york city mm-hmm. which is basically a classic arcade in new york city amazing uh that it's always too crowded um but wonderful place uh they have all these classic games and they maintain them they're one of the few places in new york city you can still play them Right, so this is like 80s, 90s, uh, classic, kind of scrolling, just like Side hit, scrolling, yeah. hit things. I think like that and Simpsons and Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles were yeah. all kind of the same engine, just oh, kind sure. of uh, reappropriated for different characters. But I love that. I really loved Nightcrawler. That was kind of my obsession for a while. I think playing him on the video game and then he he wasn't really in the cartoon that much, but he had like a couple arcs. Uh, and then I rediscovered it later when I was in high school because the movie came out. Right. The X-Men, the first two Jackman, one came out in 2000 when I was a senior. And I remember going to see that and being really excited and then kind of falling in love with it all over again. And then, yeah, it's it's always been a part of my childhood. It's always been a part of uh, my comic book fandom. I'm not into comic books the way that other people are, but I have always been very interested in X-Men. I think from an early age, there was always a queerness about the X-Men. Oh, sure. Because they had to conceal their powers when they were in society. They were heavily persecuted by the government. They could only meet up in secret and... They discovered their powers in adolescence. In adolescence, you know, yeah. So and it's very reflective of, like, mm-hmm. LGBT culture, LGBTQ culture. I definitely, I definitely think that X-Men, out of all of the Marvel kind of DC, they are one of the, if not the most queerest... And the most uh, representative of a lot of folks. Right. You know, so, like, it, it really covers... There's, you know... Um, uh, racial inequality was addressed uh, in numerous episodes, in, in numerous uh, comic uh, franchises with with Marvel as a whole. But X Men really sort of centralized um, the the sort of representation that that uh, you see for the first time in the comics universe. Right, and I like what you said it because it, it happened when the characters were in their adolescence. They felt this power coming on, and it's and most of the time their parents were not supportive of them and or we're just really scared of them scared for them scared of, of them. them yeah and so they had to be sent away to this school where they could be among like-minded and the thing about the x-men is that um the x unlike batman superman all these kind of standalone characters the x-men only work when they're together right um the x-men are strong when they're together they can have solo missions but they really only work as 
a team and I did like that about them too. They and they all had different strengths that balanced. Oh, you guys other. are probably maybe hearing in the background the seven o'clock cheering. Maybe also our heater, uh, which I need to turn uh, off. <laughs> New York City, um, you know, is is a hard place to be uh, right now in the midst of the epidemic uh, or the pandemic, I should say. Um, but you know, one of the bright spots has has really been. Um, in, in every neighborhood across the city at 7 o'clock, um, everyone, you know, thanks all the heroes out there. Yeah, so, so at 7 o'clock, uh, so everyone's doing that cheer. to what mm -hmm. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of X-Men, again, Nightcrawler was my favorite. If I had to identify as an X-Men, I don't know, I don't, it wouldn't be Nightcrawler because he's super Catholic and kind of a right. bigot in, his, in some, yeah. some art. You like his power set. I like his power. I like his design. I think he's cool. Who am I? Uh, I'm probably, depending on which movie, I'm probably like the Kitty Pride kind of. I, I don't think my power would be offensive. I think it would be tactical, and I think I would be more of a strategic member on offense. Actually, no, that's just like stream of consciousness. I've become way more of a fan of Kitty. She's actually kind mm -hmm. of, I mean, I don't know that she's technically classified as an Do you know? I just, class, I, but... I read her Wikipedia. Um, you know, she eventually dates and marries uh, Star-Lord from Guardians. I did not know that. Yeah, she becomes a Guardian. For oh. Her. But there's so, the thing about uh, X-Men and all of these, there are so many different universes and different... And branches. And different... Uh, X-Men, X-Force, Excalibur. Yeah. Right. Well, there's different teams, but there's also different universes. So right. in terms of like, is in terms of the canon... For the con it's hard to find like one continuity, but I thought that was interesting. So, what about you? What's your? It's also who do you like and who do you identify with are not always the same, right? So you don't have to always. Um. Pick one. So I am a huge, uh, not just fan of this franchise, but fan of geeking out over the different power sets and what I think represents each person. But I, w I would say, uh, personally, the the story that connects me to me the most. It's pretty obvious, but um, if you're a fan of the franchise, uh, North Star was the first out and proud gay person in comic book history, um, or in uh, at least in the Marvel world. I don't want to misspeak. So in one universe, Colossus is gay. In so the, I don't in want the newest to... one. He but but North Star was North Star gay came way before. before him. Okay, and right. and North Star had his. I mean, hit so a year or two before we got married. A year, I think, the year before you and I got married. North Star got married on the cover of an X-Men thing. And I still have it. It's in plastic. So it was such a profound moment uh, for me. Um, and also, like, just not just because he's gay, but the power set is incredible. Um, he's got a great sister that he can, you know, sort of glow with uh, when she's around. But mostly he's a solo character these days. And um, he's a super speed person, but he's able to control his speed in such a way that he was able to defend himself for a limited time against the Hulk. And we all know that pretty much nobody uh, can beat the Hulk that's not Omega level. Okay, um, so that's your favorite. Is that who you identify with would be you? I think you... I'd be Iceman. And in his okay. newest, in, in his okay. newest well, world... Well, Kitty Pride and Iceman are a thing. For a while, so that and in makes his sense. new world he's gay too. Interesting. Oh, so right. there's there's a solo issue. There's also now a Family where... Guy joke where Iceman is gay. Did you remember that one? <laughs> he's sliding around and then well, the, the, wife, the come, wife comes in and he's like, "Where were you?" He's like, "Out getting a beer." And you see a trail of ice into the gay triple X theater. So yeah, that's a Family Guy. I mean, right. um, like there's a lot. So oh my... yeah, yeah, I did I did hear about the. 
the Iceman. We can go into who. So we can go into in a second who we think is the most powerful because I don't think you can really Uh, get into that. Okay. But but in terms of favorite, I'm I'm a big fan of North Star. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of Iceman in terms of power set. Um, I'm trying to think of who else really calls out to me. Um, I mean, I think the first thing I was ever a fan of was Wolverine. That sort of like able to go in there physically and res- like he never stops getting up that See, that always even when to i was a little boy i just found wolverine so boring I like yeah, it's <laughs> not a, it's not an exciting skill they, set well, except they, the immortality thing yeah but they always put him front and center and i like wolverine in the movies i like how hugh jackman plays him and i think yeah. they write him well but in terms of the comic i as a little kid i'm like oh why is everything wolverine centered because he's wolverine is just kind of an asshole and he never really i mean he grows i guess that's a whole like we have to watch his character arc and development and learn to not to be such a hard ass and to be nice but i don't know he bored me his I, like, power, I didn't think his power was interesting i like anti-heroes I, so i like characters that start out bad but then sometimes so, in so terms i of like I, deadpool well i like that and i to stick up for the women i always liked emma frost emma and frost is really great she jean gray is like probably one of my favorites but that gets into power set i so let's talk about powers yeah. now in terms of most powerful i think i think i would choose jean gray as the most powerful i feel like i feel like that is definitely where i sit as well you have to really go into like a hell level wikipedia deep dive to find somebody that can take on a phoenix um, but even without the Phoenix powers, she's the most tele- most powerful telekinetic uh, on that Earth. Uh, you, it, now, the only thing that can even touch her, really, are reality benders. So that would be um, Susan Storm and Mr. Fantastic's son. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, but he's basically a little kid that can just sort of alter reality as he wills. Um, but outside of that, I mean, she no, she can literally tear molecules to pieces. So she's just pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah great um in terms of x-men in the media the movies there's a lot of x-men movies i think my favorite movie representation was days of future past i really liked I really it liked, i liked first class i love first class bit and more but no i think they're both but i like really great i like how that one well one i like to see professor x and magneto on the same side yeah yeah which they did in first class in the beginning. And, and those two them. are, whenever you see those two actors together, mm-hmm. um, Ian McKellen and um, Patrick, Patrick Stewart, Stewart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, I mean, these two, of course, can carry Waiting for Godot on Broadway. Uh, you see that chemistry like every time yeah, they're it's together. Yeah, really well cast. It, and I like how they connected the two. And I think it's. And I like, I like the, the young story. Xavier, too. He's just a, one of my favorite actors. Uh huh. Oh, I'm blinking on his I'm name. So. Uh, I almost said Ewan. McGregor, but uh, I will I remember it in a second because he's also in like the yeah. the, the right. Bruce Willis superhero movie, um, uh, the Unbreakable franchise. Uh, right, I am. We're both blinking. Uh, James Matthew. James Mac- literally yeah, just Mac- before it popped up, like I didn't even have to Google because I was being ridiculous. But, uh, but no, it's well cast, and I like that one. That going back in time, combining the two. Some of the movies are. Oh, and that line about you, you're um your ability to bear their pain without breaking is the biggest gift you can give to them. That's like earth shatteringly strong in that movie. It's just so good. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So that was 
I mean, so that was my favorite. Ooh, do you... So we talked about favorite in terms of personality, and mm -hmm. you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of Nightcrawler. He's probably my favorite skill set, though I've, I've gravitated more towards, and I don't know if they were X-Men. They've always been had their own series. But I love Cloak of Cloak and Dagger. Mm -hmm. Same exact skill set with some variation on... Um, on Kurt's powers, but he can long distance travel. And that's the only thing about um, Kurt is he is a short distance teleporter. Like he can go really, really far, but it's usually in line of sight. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. But do we want to talk about most obscure or interesting side power. Most obscure? Or mo well, there's like, there's so many weird there's powers. There's so many weird, well, there's so many one-off and I did go on a Wikipedia quick hole, I think. A while ago and I just all the weird side characters and some of them are just dumb and mm -hmm. some of them are just stupid and not I, I think the stupidest one it there actually was a Buzz, buzzfeed article that I think I read it was like top 10 stupidest mutants like or <laughs> most pointless or just dumb I think the number one I think she she was like a one-off and probably like a side panel there was a mutant named choir and her whole power was that she had a bunch of lip mouths on her neck oh she just had a bunch of lips on her neck, so I guess she could have different voices, or maybe maybe she could sing in harmony. So that With was kind herself? of okay. a dumb power. A lot of people find Dazzler not great. Dazzler had her one-off comic strip for about three issues. She and can then, explode the fireworks light thing, right? Or is that well, no, so that's that's oh, Jubilee? Jubilee. Uh, so Dazzler, she's Dazzler's in the arcade video game. She can manipulate manipulate sound. light and sound. It's sound. No, it's just sound. Oh, okay. And but you need sound to have her power. So yeah, I think. But I but I remember Choir being dumb. Oh, you know who I hated? Who I thought was dumb was the villain, the Blob. Who is oh, his power yeah. is just obesity. It's well, it's really more he gravity would, control. But no, he would be like on my six hundred pound leg. Nothing like, could move the blob. Yeah, but it's yeah. Like, like oh, good. they made someone fat uh, and, I, I, and super strong. They made him fat. And actually, when you get into the, um, I want to say, there's this moment in comics where uh, the Scarlet Witch steals everyone's powers, or a lot of mutant kind. Um, and without his, he was just rendered to be a fat guy for the first time. All his strength gone, yeah. so he almost. He, committed you know suicide um but he didn't he yeah he lived and I, I think it was repowered after a while I, i'm great I'm, I'm glad he found a will he obviously did not find jenny craig but i mean okay. so I for me um there's a lot of very interesting side powers i wish before i asked this question i would have jotted down some stuff uh but there's definitely some like the ability to control squirrels for a well-known character she and she's actually an Omega level mutant. Control so what? Squirrels? Squirrel girl. Oh, uh, squirrel, is an, yeah. mm -hmm. a, She's taken on Thanos. You know, mm -hmm. <laughs> you just control squirrels. Um, you know, but no. but hey, you know, whatever works. I mean, that doesn't. I mean, squirrels are everywhere. At least they I are. Mean, well, you can yeah. assemble an army quick. It's very Ant Man like, or you know, um, those yeah. are the characters that utilize animal communication. Yeah, okay. Good. Um, so why don't we? If you're if you don't have any other topics, nope. I can jump into a little bit yeah. that I created. Sure. Uh, similar to other bits that I've created um, and stolen from you. Uh, <laughs> but um, why don't we move on to X-Men or Drag Queen? Okay. All right. Great. Some of these are easier than others. Mm -hmm. Some of them are Trixie. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are they Trixie Mattel? That is not one of my selections. But <laughs> oh, um, Okay. All right. Jade, that, that, that's, have... a, that's a drag queen. So. Oh, Did yes. you know that? 
Trixie Mattel? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So for anyone who didn't know, Trixie I, Mattel is a drag queen. Okay, I'm just making sure all this As is, she's not on my list, so I'll also give out Jinx Monsoon. Uh, sounds like a superhero and is one, but uh, beating narcolepsy all the time and being awesome, but Great. still a drag queen. Let, let's play the game. Okay, game. Uh, Jade. Uh, that's that's RuPaul's Drag Race, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was the one who did Britney in season three. And yes. And didn't really do good on uh, All Stars. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we haven't watched all the seasons, because I still have an edge in some of these. Um, Bling. Bling? Um, X-Men? Yep. Wow. All right, um, cool. North Star. <laughs> come on. <laughs> that was please. easy. Okay. Please. Uh, Shade. X-Men? It's a trick question. Is it both? It's both. Oh, so this okay. is an X-Man who is also a dra- an X-Men who is also a drag queen. Oh, okay. The character itself is a drag queen. Okay. I so I'm just gonna put a pin in this. I was listening to the You're Making It Worse podcast, and they actually did a segment on Marvel, and I guess Marvel is releasing this new LGBT themed comic, and they released three new mutants, but they're all really kind of corny names one is on like safe space and one is snowflake and one oh, is no. like so anyway it's, so that's that's the thing now okay um so shade yes is yeah, it trixie shade. trixie one um it's uh or i should say they uh are both uh but what's their power oh man they throw shade t- no they don't are they are just a big no, bitch um i'm gonna have to google this i feel like we no let's not do right it now. no right, people have, people don't want to listen to this okay forever. uh destiny oh my god is there a third option this is just like stripper (laughs) (laughs) destiny no i'm gonna say x-men oh man you're killing me because some of these are kind of basic like no self-respecting drag queen would just have something that wasn't um punny or double (laughs) entendre karma drag queen (laughs) x-men oh that's okay what's their power uh, did, did you research? Did you do that deep a dive? Uh, no, I went to Wikipedia and looked up all the LGBT characters. Okay, but did you, what's her power? Uh, her power is uh, you're making this up. Karma. Okay, okay so you, a simple no would suffice. <laughs> Poor chap. Oh come on! <laughs> I'll say both. That's a trick question. I can't use. I had Squirrel Girl on here, yeah. but I knew that was. Uh-huh. I already screwed that one. Uh-huh. Um, Raven. Oh, that's Drag Race. And is it's it both? both. Okay, there has because to be an option. It, it's both because uh-huh. of Raven, who is Mystique. Oh, and, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Phoenix. Sure. Well, Phoenix is Jean Grey. Is it both, too? Wow, I didn't think you'd nail that. But it's it's not Phoenix. Uh, Phoenix, the, there's an X-Men that's not her called... Oh, it is. It is. But it's, it's Jean Grey, Phoenix, and then Phoenix the Drag Queen. Yes. Did I get it that. right? I think you did. Did you get that right? I did. Okay. I did. There's a drag... I, right. I looked at the list of all the drag queens. Okay. Um, Shangela. Shangela. <laughs> and that... Okay. And I, okay. I bid you adieu. Okay. Yeah, Shangela is both. And Shangela is everything. Shangela is a hero. Is all-encompassing and occupies multiple I am now... So, because I... I don't know if it's because we talk about this in the podcast or whatever, but all of the drag queen folks, all the drag race people... Mm-hmm. Are now showing up on my feed like follow this drag queen. Follow no, this probably drag queen. because it, it's been proven that our smartphones are listening to us. Are spying and on us. Okay, we're close but I'm to now following Shangela oh, and great. Peppermint and I think Bob, Shangela's in a the drag new. Queen? There's like some new Netflix 
or Amazon Prime show that has a bunch of the Enchantralas on that. So we should watch it or okay. catch up. But anyway, that's neither here <laughs> nor there. Any other final thoughts on the X-Men before we close out this episode? Goodness. Um, I just, uh, I really love this comic. Um, I'm a super fan because they were first and foremost reflective of their audiences, I think, before anyone else was. Uh, they really sort of shined the beacon on that front. And I love the idea that, a tr you know, a troubled past and difficult times um, can help form a hero. And I think they reflect that very well. Okay, great. <laughs> and that is this episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider liking and subscribing to us on all the platforms that you listen to your podcast. That includes Apple, that includes Google, Spotify, and all the rest. If you would like to send us a message, you can email us at spiritsandchatpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on the interwebs on Facebook and also Twitter at Spirits and Chat. And also, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please consider giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and also leaving a review if you have the time. If you don't, it's okay. <laughs> a five-star review will really help us on our visibility on the Apple platform. Until next time, I'm Matt Pullman. And I'm Jonathan Emerson. See you later. Bye.